Hi everyone and welcome to today's podcast. Today's episode will be focusing on the theme of grief and religion and includes an interview with the lovely Shuma from Outspoken Grief. We really hope you enjoy this episode and just please be aware that this episode will contain discussions of death, bereavement and cancer. So we just thought we'd introduce ourselves first. So my name's Katie and um, I'm one of the hosts as part of the Let's Talk About Loss project. Yeah, my name is Hannah and I'm 19 years old and I'm from Denmark. <laughs> Hi, I'm Izzy. I'm 18, almost 19 years old and I'm from England. I feel like I should have said my age now. I'm 21. Ah, 21. Um, and yeah, so today we've got Shima with us um, from Spoken Grief. So Shima, do you want to just give yourself a little, just give us a little introduction? Cool. Um, so my name's Shuma and I'm from, uh, I'm not from Spoken Grief, but I'm the founder of Spoken Grief. I definitely won't be sharing my age like you guys, but um, <laughs> I lost my mum to cancer in uh, 2015. And when the pandemic hit, um, a lot of my grief just bubbled all the way to the top and I had nowhere to kind of um, release that grief. And I actually didn't know how because prior to um, actually starting Spoken Grief, I thought the best way to deal with my grief was just to keep myself busy. And that's what I did for almost two to three years. Um, so I started Spoken Grief in 2020 and it's just been um, a great coping mechanism for myself. And along the way, um, we've built a little bit of a community and it's been really nice to kind of interact and get to know lots of people through the grief community on Instagram, which as you guys know is amazing. Um, and yes, that's the spoken grief side of things. But in terms of how I have been since losing my mum, I think... I'd have to either sit and talk to you guys for hours to kind of even try to explain it. But I think the best way to explain it is I just haven't been my normal self. Um, Obviously, I've been grieving for seven or going on to eight years. Um, And I think through this journey, I've realized I'm not going to be the person that I was when my mum was about. And I'm just still kind of getting to grips with how to kind of navigate my life even almost eight years later but that's currently like where I'm at but it I'll get there and I'm hopeful that I will but um yeah that's a little bit about me and who I've lost um yeah I think everyone agrees that none of us are like how we were when our last one was around I definitely agree with that what was your relationship with religion uh like before your mom died so, an interesting question, definitely. Um, I would say, visibly, as you can tell, I'm Muslim. Um, prior to my mum passing away, I was still Muslim, but I wasn't as visibly Muslim. So, the hijab came on after, um, not after mum died, but I would say when mum got her initial diagnosis, I think about a year into that, I started to wear the hijab. But before... Um, grief hit I would say I was Muslim but not practicing um I think I would um observe Ramadan pray here and there but it was very casual um and my parents never really forced it on us like oh you need to be praying you need to be doing this um which is I think quite a 
I was quite fortunate to experience that because I know of people that kind of like when, when religion has been kind of like not forced but kind of like just uh, pressured onto you to kind of make it fit onto your into your way of life and stuff like that but my parents were never kind of pushy with it I mean they tried <laughs> they tried it's like go and pray come on you've got to do this and but I think it was nice to kind of um, fall into my religion and slowly grasp an understanding of what Islam meant to me and as years have gone past I think the thing that has pushed me to religion has always been I hate saying it, but it has been hardships. Um, but I feel like when my mum was first diagnosed, I was a bit, I was in my final year of uni. So um, it was hard going and I'd finished my final exams and I kind of didn't know where I was going with life. And after mum passed away, I think it allowed me to just find peace, an element of peace, even though not in its entirety and I even though it wasn't something that was going to bring my mum back I definitely found solace in religion but definitely wasn't practicing before mum passed um and currently fluctuating in my religion <laughs> that's the only way I could describe it yeah sure okay so it kind of leads straight on and you have sort of briefly touched on it but how would you say it has now changed like what what are the main differences that key word I would say is that it fluctuates depending on where I'm at spiritually. Mm. I think I went through a phase straight after mum passed away. I would say that I was practicing, praying, doing everything I can to kind of keep religion at the forefront of everything I do or did. Um, and then I went through quite a few transitions. So after my mum passed away, I moved back abroad because I was working abroad. So I found that not only did it bring me, did religion bring me solace, it kind of allowed me to find comfort when I was away from family and grieving alone. Um, but when I returned and moved back to the UK, I would say that grief was a little bit in my face because I was living with my dad, I was back in the house when my mum passed away. Um, and I tried to keep going with, yeah, prayer's going to get me through, prayer's going to get me through. But there came a point where I think I realised, okay, praying is great and it gives me peace, but I'm not addressing some of the day-to-day -day emotions that I'm feeling. Um, so I would say that was kind of after. Obviously, it's been eight years, so it's really hard to say what my religion has been like in the last eight years, but I would say I've gone back and forth with how much I've been praying I think obviously Muslims pray five times a day throughout the whole day there's like um depending on what time it is you pray whichever prayer but I would say my prayers have been slacking um I think Ramadan always allows me the opportunity to get back into a good routine um and then I always try to kind of keep praying or pray where I can so right now I would say I'm probably not as strong as I was with my religion in terms of practicing but I'm someone that's always God-fearing and I think that my intentions are always there and everything I do I remember you know the values and um what Islam stands for in how I conduct my myself as a human being so it's a tricky question that but I hope I answered it okay <laughs> yeah no definitely I think it's really interesting what you said about 
kind of the hardship bringing you closer to religion because I think for some people that can be the thing that kind of pushes you away or kind of is like a real shock to the system you know either you're like uh what does life actually mean what's this all mean for me how does this fit into God's plan or kind of whatever that looks like for you and then I think in some aspects it can really bring you closer because it's like all these things around me that I had that were really important are not there anymore like what else do I have to depend on and for some people that can be faith yeah and I guess as well I think I really relate to what you said about it bringing you close to your mum because I definitely think for me um going to church where I had lots of experiences with my mum um once she died was really good like I felt really close to God and like close to my mum in that moment because there were so many shared memories I would say like my my mum was really practicing like she was not just visibly um Muslim but any time that she had spare she would be praying she'd be reading the Quran and it makes me think of how close she was to God and sometimes I feel like gosh she'd be disappointed that I'm like however old I am and I've still not got myself into a good routine but it does make me feel quite close when I am like in a like in a good place Mm -hmm. with religion and I'm practicing it does make me feel close to my mum at the same time like I went through and I'm not sure how many people can relate, but the, whilst in the first year I felt really close and connected to my religion, um, when I came back to the UK, as I was as I mentioned, I feel like it was even more testing for me because um, I just felt like those questions started popping up. Like, yes, I accept it's God's plan that my mum passed away, and I'm I'm, whole, I'm I fully believe that. Like, it was written and it was a, her time to go and that that might be really difficult for some people to understand or even um yeah but it did make me think like why me you know those like questions like why me like why now like all those are like really like confusing questions like if god loves me then why did he do this to me in my early 20s and i did question religion but i always ran back that's the thing and that's where i feel like really grateful that i've i'm like spiritually there and I I was raised in a family where my parents were practicing Islam and I and it makes me feel at peace that I can I have that foundation that will bring me back in all of that confusion it's still there and it gives me that peace that sometimes I lose when I'm fluctuating or you know second guessing religion and I, I know it's normal yeah. because I've had conversations with friends where they've been so so angry at God and it's really difficult to comfort them because it's like it's such a personal journey isn't it religion so it's like especially yeah, a personal journey with religion plus a personal journey with someone that's grieving that's two personal things and you're sat there and like oh actually I'm not too sure how to actually navigate that conversation but yeah it's been a journey and a half I I completely agree in my sort of personal experience as well I found like you were saying in the first of year afterwards um I've been raised in a Christian family and the sort of shock and trauma of it all really pushed me towards faith and I ended up getting baptized like very shortly after like my second bereavement but then I found that actually it was in like the following years when sort of the aftermath and the adrenaline almost runs out and you start thinking a bit more long term about what's happened. You start asking those questions that actually you sort of sit and realise that actually maybe the faith needs a bit more work on it. Maybe there's more thi- more sort of 
hurdles to to jump but definitely fluctuation is like the best way I would describe it yeah definitely I think as well it's interesting what you say about like having that personal grieving journey like I know even from like me and my siblings who've all had the same bereavement like you it, it also looks different for each of us and then faith as well did you find that within your family that different members coped differently or to you 100% I have a huge family I've got six other siblings wow. so a lot of us and I would say that we're all at I, I it's, it's really hard for me to kind of even answer that question because I don't know what's in their heart so whilst like I and I don't know what they're doing like we don't live together I don't know whether they're praying I don't know whether they're you know having those conversations with God like before bed oh. I don't know so I would say like we're all again on different I would say on different different levels when it comes to practicing and even after like mum passed away I, I feel like fluctuation everywhere <laughs> that's gonna be a key word today yeah no that's fair enough and I guess like how if in any way do you think your religion brought challenges when you were grieving um a few things I think from a a practical perspective like when my mum first passed away um and I know like we'd previously spoken about this Kate um Katie about the culture aspect coming in so I'm gonna dip it in a little bit just to kind of um be able to answer that question but from a practical perspective um obviously where my background is, um, I'm Bangladeshi, South Asian. And if you guys know anything about the history, we were all part of India once upon a time. And a lot of um, Hinduism um, was, not a lot of Hinduism, Hinduism um, was um, and still is one of the major religions within um, South, uh, South Asia. So where Bangladesh is now its own country, um, some of those Hindu cultural traditions and stuff is still there so for my dad's generation they're a lot more culturally inclined and when it came to mum passing away they responded in a very cultural way whereas in my generation my brothers and my sisters we're a bit more aware of how actually that's culture and there's a fine line between hindu culture and islamic practices and it just doesn't gel and doesn't mesh that way so there were things like um when my mom passed away like somebody was lighting an incense and it's just come from these traditions that aren't actually islamic so i do feel like there were we butted heads especially like the older generation and like those closest to mum, aka her children Mm. We were like, you can't do that. You shouldn't be doing this. And we were told we can't cook for however many days and people were to give us food, which generally speaking is a lovely idea when you're grieving. But at the same time, it's quite hard as well for people to constantly be coming around and you just want to kind of just be in your own zone, to be left to deal with it. I know I was definitely one of those people. I just did not want to have to deal with people coming around and being part of an Asian community there's that whole hosting thing so I found myself making cups of tea and stuff and I'm like well actually my mum literally just died the other day and I'm making other people cups of tea so I think what I would say is 
because of the different generations and again like what people's beliefs are in when it comes to death and because it's not something that happens every single day you're really put to the test as actually what's islamic and what's cultural so i would say we butted heads with our dad and some aunties and uncles when it came to some of the practical side of things um but yeah like it's a tough one when you've got all these like bits of your identity that mesh together when something big like this happens yeah the hosting part of it where you know it's them they should be the ones coming around to support you but instead you're kind of having to put on a bit of a front to make sure everyone's fed and watered and stuff I think sometimes it's like what's the purpose of that for you you know you don't want to just sit and cry the whole time if they've come around but sometimes that's yeah that's what you would feel like doing but necessarily might necessarily be able to do so i guess it comes from like expectations um community expectations and sometimes like to be polite is something that we've been brought up to do and yeah that's not a cultural thing that's not a religious thing that's just a human thing like you wouldn't let someone come through your door and not offer them a glass of water or a cup of tea and it's like even in periods of grief you kind of I don't know if anyone has been able to just let go and not give a cup of tea. I know my cousins definitely <laughs> stepped in when things were blurry and they were making cups of tea and I had nieces and nephews doing that as well. But yeah, definitely um, a tough time that I recall. <laughs> I definitely agree with like, I want to say that when like after my dad died a few weeks after because so many people were just in our houses, uh, house all the time, we had to tell everyone that we just needed like a week off and no one could visit us almost like obvious that people could visit us but we had to tell everyone like we're gonna take a break now we uh ordering a cleaning crew and so no one needs to come over to our house we'll just stay all alone well you guys put your boundaries in place and that's really commendable nobody did that in my family <laughs> and my dad again he's such a kind-hearted soul he wouldn't ever say get Mm. out or actually we need our space because he wants people to be he wanted people to be able to grieve and I guess there came a point where he he, he had a really backwards mentality he was just like we've got to keep moving forward now and I used to hear these things like can't keep looking in the past and I'm just like how can I not and I, I, I know I definitely had an episode on my podcast with dad about it and we discussed that but that we didn't have boundaries in place and I think it's definitely something that needs to be spoken of more within my community but it's one of those things again because it doesn't happen so often like it's hard to really implement boundaries because you you're just in an unfamiliar place and you're dealing with so much and then what boundaries boundaries can take years for typical things to put in place and then you want to put boundaries when it comes to death and grief and you that's going to take a long time but 100 percent um rate you and your family enough to be able to do that yeah yeah i think it was a mix between like my mom struggling to have three young kids alone and then my grandparents like watching that and telling everyone to leave <laughs> 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 even though it's nice that everyone tries to be so nice to us just you need the kind of space sometimes <laughs> um so very broad question but like do you have any kind of advice that you would have given to yourself in grief specific re- uh, religion advice <laughs> um right let's have a bit you know one thing i do, i do find is um because I run Spoken Grief, I do get a lot of people that can identify with me being like a hijabi, um, 
South Asian and I do get questions asking I'm really struggling with my religion and grief like and they're asking for advice and I think I've left someone pending for months like I'll get back to you I'm just gathering some resources because I'm not equipped to advise you how to deal with your grief in con in connection to your religion and I think because like as I said earlier because grief is such a personal thing and religion is so personal it's it's really difficult to pinpoint and say what I would advise people but I think one thing that I would advise <laughs> again I wouldn't I wouldn't even attach the word advise <laughs> to it but I think if I was to speak about myself and tell my younger self um, any words of wisdom when it comes to religion is just remember the the good that comes from continuing to pray. And there's a few things that I did want to mention. Like um, there's a lot of things in the Quran um, that, and specifically like things that our prophet peace be upon him said about um, those that are deceased and how, you can do certain things to kind of um, uh, benefit them even in, in the afterlife, let's say. Um, and one of those things is, um, it's called, uh, what's it called? Um, yeah, uh, Sadaka Jariya. And Sadaka um, means charity and Jariya means flowing. So flowing charity. So you can um, donate, um donate to charity on behalf of a loved one and these and this act will help kind of bring shade on um the day of judgment and all of this stuff obviously I can't pinpoint and say but it has a lot of benefits for the person that's passed away and I think that's one thing that I remember like even though my mum's not here there's things that I can still be doing in terms of connecting to my religion that can still benefit her not just me but her as well and I would remind any um not remind I'll just as a word to any any Muslim listeners or anyone that's interested like it's easy to lose faith and hope to kind of like disappear in in times of grief but remember your your core values and things like charity still being able to uplift someone even after they've passed away and specifically to like losing parents I would say there is your actions and what you do can still benefit them so any good you're doing will still be able to be still will be beneficial to the person that you've lost and I think charity is the biggest thing that I would say motivates me to kind of give back to my mum even like because I I still feel like I was quite young mm. when I lost my mum and as, as you guys know I wasn't really practicing so I wasn't praying and gaining any rewards or however you want to see it so I feel like now that I'm I understand more about my religion and I've connected with my religion in my personal way I feel like it's almost like a game of how many tokens you can connect collect to kind of win a prize at the end but not for me but gifting my mum who's not here to see it but like inshallah like she'll be able to 
feel some sort of ease from the good deeds that I do. And I I fully trust God and my religion when I do those actions. Um, so it's definitely thinking about little things like that. And that's just one tiny thing that I can think of and one thing that I have been doing mm-hmm. since my mum has passed away to feel connected and feel like not to give up hope because there's still things that I can personally do in my actions and the way I behave and treat other people that will benefit my mum. So definitely something to remember um if if you're feeling alone or helpless about your person not being here anymore sorry i waffled with that no that's okay no not at all not at all um and so you sort of explained the timeline roughly of your faith how would you say you sort of built it from being a non-practicing muslim to reaching a stage where you're practicing a bit more yeah how did you sort of rebuild that relationship and how would you sort of suggest someone else could do the same post grief I would honestly say um a lot of the company that I have kept over the years has um changed up my my circle is a lot smaller and I do find like the company that I'm most closest to have a really good influence on me in terms of reminding me about not praying and stuff like that just like little stories and things like that that are linked to the link to Islam and it reminds me of you know my purpose here on earth today um so I would and also one of my sisters has always been really practicing from a very young age and she's been again um quite a massive influence in my life in terms of jumping back on when I've fallen off with the whole I don't want to call it a bandwagon <laughs> bandwagon, but just like there's always just someone there that's kind of helped lift not lift me up but kind of direct me towards the right path again and that's why I would say like in terms of the company I keep it's always been really important because I could have easily got in with the wrong crowd and started to drink and smoke weed or whatever it was to help me get over my grief but I feel like the people that I've surrounded myself have uplifted me in times and, and given me little indirect reminders it might even just be a forwarded post on Instagram that kind of reminds me what my purpose is what I'm doing and not kind of give up you know definitely I feel like it's so interesting we've recorded an episode talking about um grief and Christianity and there's so many similar things in terms of going back to the basics of your religion like what are the core things that you believe and staying in touch with friends who can really support you um in your religion and encourage you when you're not feeling it uh be there for you as a friend and as somebody who's religious as well um and I think it's really lovely that there is so much community within um religion that we can draw upon in times of grief I guess another thing that we're kind of thinking about is how how does your grief impact kind of festivals you know periods of celebration you talked about Ramadan within your faith how could you maybe talk about how grief um, plays a role in that yeah 100% I think the main festivities within Islam being Eid and Ramadan um as a family it's always really like the our mum was always like the focus point whether it be going shopping to buy new Eid clothes making really delicious food hosting parties the list is really endless and Mm. now I can like honestly say as bad as it sounds like 
I don't think I have enjoyed an Eid or Ramadan for the last seven years because she's not been here. Yeah. And it it does, it, it has almost, I can't explain it, but where I was so, you know, when we, we spoke about the challenges within religion and how at some points I feel really connected. And in Ramadan was initially when I was not as practicing, I felt that was the one time of the year I felt really connected. And sometimes I feel like since mum has passed away, I'm forcing that connection to be there. And it's really difficult to have that connection with Ramadan because she's the one that made it Ramadan for me. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like almost the complete opposite to what was going on when I wasn't as practicing, which is, it's crazy. That's the first time I've kind of thought of it that way. But, yeah. it, it, you know, we talk about the the empty chair around the table and it, it never gets easier. But um, I think the only thing that keeps us going in these kind of festivities is, being grateful for still being here and having family that love you surrounding you and it's something that we can take for granted really easily in today's day and age um but we all feel we all feel my mum's um absence when it comes to Eid and Ramadan and no doubt it will continue to be difficult but it's just one of those things where we kind of go with the flow like every um Eid um no it's not every Eid I think it's initially every, uh, every death anniversary we always used to do something to honor mum. Yeah. Um. But we've not yet in in um implemented anything into these festivities. Typically because they're absolute chaos. Um. <laughs> and you kind of just the day goes really quickly. Um. But one thing I would say is um on Eid we do go and visit my mum's graveyard. My mum at the graveyard. Um. And that's always really special because we start off really early in the morning visiting mum passing our salams on to her and I'll always see the graveyard be is is just buzzing with a lot of other Muslim families and it makes me feel like you know we're not the only family going through this um and it's almost it's sad to see but it's comforting it's really weird but I like that any any time that it is um Every Eid, basically, we go and see mum first, so she's not forgotten about. So that's something that we do as a family, and it's been a tradition for the last seven years, and hopefully it will continue to be a tradition. I'm just lucky that I don't live too far away from the graveyard, as I know, like, I've got a sister in Scotland and one, like, down south near Brighton, so luckily they come over for these events, but I can go and see my mum after work really easily, whereas they can't, so I'm quite um, grateful for that. Yeah, I completely get what you mean as well about that kind of solidarity, isn't it? Seeing other people that are in the same situation, because I feel like sometimes it's really easy to be like, it's just me, I'm the only one. And actually seeing other people kind of it makes you feel less alone, doesn't it? Yeah. Definitely. And I think one thing I found as well is like having a dedicated time, like to recognise the person that you've lost so that it doesn't feel like you've kind of done the whole day without leaving them behind or including them. And then maybe after you can kind of, still enjoy those festivities but at least you know that you've remembered them like in some way at the start yeah exactly do you think there are any other ways you've found to deal with all these kind of mixed emotions particularly like on ease um i would say the last um ramadan that passed obviously this year so i'm just like 2023 soon um i found myself 
making um, some traditional dishes and snacks that my mum used to make. And on my um, personal Instagram, I was making little reels and kind of talking about what the dish was, how I felt when my mum made it and just putting in my all because I never really mastered or learned how to cook anything from my kind of like our cuisine and our kind of like culture and all the the lovely food that we have when mum was about because my mum was always about go and study go you don't need to help and she never dragged us into the kitchen to help mix the onions for the curry or anything like that she was just like go and study you need to get those a's like um so i really i i really i do resent my mum like five percent for that because i would have loved to have learned how to perfect some of the dishes i've had to like learn how to do a lot of things through youtube and that sounds really embarrassing because a lot of girls and daughters just ask their mum and it's like oh just do this put this in put that in and for me it's like I'm just gonna YouTube how to do this and hope it turns out right but um yeah what that's one thing that I did and I think I'll continue doing it um but I always wait to see like so for example this Ramadan when I made some of those snacks for my dad um not for my dad for my family I'd wait to see um my dad's reaction because that's like the ultimate um the ultimate kind of what's the word can't even think of it to see whether I passed and hit that yeah yeah. have I kind of made my my dad go back to when my mum made it and I've never seen a face that kind of highlighted that it did it's like oh it needs a little bit of sugar next time or it needs a little bit more salt (laughs) and there's no pleasing and I don't ever think that I will be able to perfect any of these dishes for my dad but Mm. it's nice to be able to try and it does make me feel close to mum in in the process of doing it and I can imagine for him as well it's probably a bit of a point of connection that like exactly some of those things that he yeah, hadn't had seen some of these things for that. years when I made it this Ramadan. So I think he yeah. appreciated the sentiment behind what I was trying to do. Um, and sometimes I think I feel he hasn't got much to say because it's it's hard for him to comment on it, you know. But, um, yeah, that's definitely something I did this year. I think I, I definitely agree that, like, making the kind of food that your last one loved, I agree that it makes me feel so much closer to my dad because he loved to cook and whenever I cook something that he made and like serve it for my family, I feel so much prouder than if I cook like random pastas or something. <laughs> it's so nice and I, I always love like stirring all the things together and like, making all the things that my dad would love to cook for like the family. That's nice. Is there a favourite dish in particular that your family cook? That reminds. Oh, uh, my dad was really good at cooking shrimps, but I don't like them very much. So <laughs> I try to avoid them. <laughs> Everyone in my family loves them and gets so excited whenever we have them. But I'm not that big of a fan. That's so, so niche. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you said you started spoken grief in 2020. How do you think um, COVID and kind of religion and grief? how did that kind of influence your grief and I don't know I think kind of seeing so much grief in the public eye definitely did like bring me back to all those um kind of moments that I had of grief I don't know if you had anything to say on that I think one thing that I will be completely transparent about is when it comes to grief within Islam it's still 
quite it's not spoken of as much it's very much like it's god's plan pray and you'll feel better but it's not as black and white as that is it and i think people sometimes are quite scared to um explore that topic i've seen in them since pandemic i have seen like really um uh some important figures within islam talking about it tweeting a little bit about it i've seen a book that's going to come out soon i've speak there are a few books out there speaking uh written in a very from a very spiritual perspective but in general it's not spoken about and that's why i think as i mentioned earlier i do get followers that connect with me send me a um a dm and then probing a little bit more about religion so i think one of the things that i would like to do going forward is kind of exploring islam and grief within islam going forward so i can perhaps be a resource for people because that resource was not there for me it was very much just pray you'll feel good connect with god everything's in god's hands now and you'll be cool with it and it's just like it's not it's not as simple as that and um i de- i I'm, i will be um hosting a few um not workshops but like little group sessions online um hoping to connect people that have felt quite isolated in their religion it's it's not about it like i i suppose it's just bringing the two together grief and religion because you know what to do to kind of bring yourself lift yourself up but when it comes to connecting the two there is a massive disconnect um and i think that's what most people um not most people a lot of my muslim followers find there's a disconnect and they're not too sure how to connect the two i don't know I, w- I, w- I would be curious to know like how, how has it been for you guys with christianity and has there been a similar kind of thing and how does your religion kind of not advise you but um what what is the perspective given when it comes to those that are grieving is there much on it i think as well i was just gonna say that when we were looking we were researching like who can we ask and i think like there was so few people out there that were even remotely open and talking about their face so I think like it's massive just it's brilliant that you are out there as just somebody who even talks about grief and I think it's crazy to think how many people are bereaved you know Muslim and not Muslim like the little that we talk about it actually it's such a universal experience for so many people um I think for Christianity there's a lot of I would say God's plan is uh heavily featured and I guess kind of if that person was a Christian seeking solace in they're in heaven now um they're not suffering anymore i guess those are kind of things mm. and i think praying and being supported by your family and community i would say it's probably a bit more open um but i think there's still definitely work to do um, yes particularly for young people yeah yeah for sure i'm finding just the more and more we talk about it the the, the more like remarkable the similarities are between like the experiences that sort of where we're all I guess sharing the the classic oh this is all part of God's plan but how does that translate to my life how does that translate if I've been told that my God is loving and now I've experienced something that doesn't feel particularly loving yeah I think I, ooh, I would say it's possibly more more talks about um but people are still 
I don't know, in, in my opinion, maybe saying the the wrong things, maybe going down the wrong sort of rabbit holes of, um, oh, I don't know how to word this. We do, I, I mean, yeah, you're welcome to listen to our other podcast on grief and religion, um, but from a sort of more Christian perspective where it just sort of is a bit more like, oh, well, they're in heaven now and how that can sometimes potentially be quite uh, invalidating of feelings. Um but I think that depends sort of on the church community that you find yourself in 100%. I'd say another reason why perhaps maybe I believe there's a bit of a disconnect between um, grief in Islam and Islam on its own is because it, honestly it does boil back to our own personal journeys with religion. If I was someone that knew everything about my religion inside out and was a hardcore practicing Muslim, I do question whether there would be that big disconnect or would the gap be a bit smaller and that's why I feel like when anyone has messaged me I have found it a struggle because firstly I don't know how practicing they are, I don't know where they are with their grief but I definitely think because more and more people are messaging me privately about, oh, what do we do in our religion? How many sources do you have? Can you give me any kind of, can you help me? Like, how do I connect the two together? And it's like, I, I for myself, I'm going to look into um, finding out a little bit about my religion because if we strip it back to the absolute basics, there's like little examples like, our prophet Muhammad, he was an orphan. Like, I'm sure if I go and look into that bit a little bit more, we can see how he coped and how, how that experience was with him. And there's other prophets that went through hardships as well and loss and death. And do, do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. if you strip religion and all, all the main religions, fundamentally, we've got similar things, don't we? Um, if you actually strip it back, there are so many like stories within, whether it's the Quran or the Bible, where there is a lot of loss, there is grief. But we, there's not, from an Islamic perspective and what I know of it, there is not much focus on it because maybe all these years I didn't have a reason to focus on that section. And now I feel like I've gotten to a point where actually I want to connect, close the gap and understand what what help my religion is in the next chapter chapters of my life when it comes to grieving. And I'm now going to... I made a promise to myself, I'm going to go and seek out those chapters, read about it, kind of dissect it because it, you know, and it, whether it's in a Bible or in a Quran, it's a yeah. lot of gobbledygook and you need to simplify it to understand and apply it. So that's something that I'll definitely be doing. Um, and it's just so important that people know that when it comes to religion, there is, religion isn't going to support you the same way that it's going to support Izzy or Katie or Hannah. Do you know what I mean? So, um, back to that question that you said earlier like how what would you say in, to your younger self or anyone is don't look into religion for what it is um but actually t if you're really wanting to understand it from a religious perspective you've got to put your work the work in just like you do when it comes to grieving you in order to f feel anything happening or changing you need to put the work in and i would say the same applies for religion like you can't expect religion to give you answers if you don't apply yourself to it and try to find them, you know? Yeah, I think as well, I think sometimes we're like scared of what we'll find. If we look really hard or if we scrutinise loads, oh, what if we're going to turn out that actually we don't believe anymore or the whole everything is just rubbish. I think sometimes we're a bit scared to kind of look too hard 
to see what might come back potentially. And that reminds me actually, when my mum passed away, like obviously we believe believe in an afterlife, he- heaven or hell, right? And I knew like that was it, like full stop, like afterlife, full stop. That's that's where mum's gone. But I actually Googled and started researching into the process a little bit more. Like I knew little bits here and there, but because no one that I no one I was close to had died. I never really looked into it very much. And I did go down a bit of a rabbit hole, like, oh my God, this happens and that happens. Oh my God. And it did make me a bit more fearful of death. And I was just like, mm. that's something that did that does until this day prod me to be like, sort yourself out because eventually you're going to be there and which way you're going to go, it depends on your actions. It's like, we believe life is a test. So I would say right now in this moment, I'm probably not passing that test. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it can be scary to find out more, but knowledge is power. <laughs> Very true. And I think as well, it definitely tests your belief on the afterlife because what you believe hmm. has real consequences for how you see your loved ones. You know, I think it's some, you know, some people, they can be like, well, I think this is it, but it doesn't really matter to me because it doesn't apply to me whereas when someone you love dies you then have to figure out well this is how I think about them now because this is what's really happening for me do you know so I think like you say learning more about it can be really eye-opening and hopefully help people kind of get to grips with what that looks like as well yeah definitely definitely I wondered if you had anything else that you'd like to say to anyone listening or any like final points just really like and I always say this even if it is um in relation to religion or not just take it one step at a time because we're dealing with so many emotions already and religion isn't black and white so when when you mix that in it's a lot of overwhelming emotion so I would just say take one step at a time um and just be gentle with how you are feeling don't put pressure on yourself to think actually because I know this about my religion I need to be doing this and dealing with it in such a way or oh I can't speak out because otherwise people will shame me for saying such a thing like honestly like just not go off the roof shouting off the rooftops what you want to but I, I don't know like I just feel like there is so much taboo around grief anyway and when you mix it in with grief it can get a bit more complicated but just remember it's your own journey so don't feel like you need to explain that journey to somebody else or that you need to be at a certain point because no it is really different for everyone and everyone will be at their own kind of pace with it so just take it easy I know it sounds quite basic but I think that's something I didn't do And I just felt like when I was younger, I was in a bit of like a bull in a china shop, like, oh my God, which way am I meant to go? Even with religion, like I knew eventually that it brought me solace. But initially I was like, this is so unfamiliar for me. I don't know what to do. And I'm looking at my siblings thinking, what are they doing? And they're kind of just getting on with it. And that's what I kind of did. And I regret, I do regret that. I do regret not kind of taking my own time with things to figure it out, you know? Yeah, I think sometimes as well, there's a pressure for us to get it all sorted straight away. You know, we've got to figure it out right now. But actually, like, you've got so much of life to dissect it all and give yourself time to really think about it. Definitely. Amazing. 
thank you so much um for being a guest on our podcast and finally we just want to shout out outspoken grief on instagram go and follow shima and all the lovely things that she puts on there they're really really helpful and relatable and there's a lovely community to join as well Thank you for listening to this episode of Persevering Grief as Told by Young People. This episode was put together by Katie, Izzy and Hannah. We're a group of 16 to 20 year olds keen to use our own experiences to make bereavement better for other young people out there. So thank you as well to lovely Shuma for being our guest on this episode. And we would love to hear from you, share your own bereavement story, reflections or any feedback about the podcast using the email address persevering at letstalkaboutloss.org. This project is part of Let's Talk About Loss and funded by the Co-op Foundation. Our project lead is Jessica Easton. And if you want to know more about how we're talking through the taboo, go to www.letstalkaboutloss.org. 